if you would please, is Psalm 23. Psalm 23. I want to welcome those who might be visiting CVC for the very first time. If you haven't figured it out yet, we love you. We're glad you're here. We have a gift for you, actually, as you leave on the left, as you exit, where it says guest services. And I wouldn't be too quick to leave early today. We have a chili. We have chili in the fixings. Some food after great opportunity to get to know somebody. I want everyone here to go home having met someone they have never met before and, and have a, a, a belly full of chili at the same time. All right, we have more announcements. Thomas will do that at the conclusion of the service. Okay, this is the second installment on Psalm 23 uh, of a series entitled Healing Hands, and it's um, really about reflection. Last week was about satisfaction. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Today we go into a reflective mode. Now keep in mind, David is writing this psalm as his son Absalom chases him with an army of people trying to kill him. So there could, there could possibly be a little anxiety going on here, don't you, don't you think? I mean, I've heard of toxic families. This is, this is off the charts. And he says this, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Leads me beside still waters. Let's pray. Father, there's something here for each person. Reveal that to them. Reveal the shepherd to them. Reveal the source of peace, purpose. Reveal, Lord, to us that which needs to be revealed that in our heart we may sense how high, how wide, long, how deep is the love of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. I bet some of us have said that. What do you want to bet? Hundreds of times, right? Hundreds of times. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Well, let's... Pick out things here. Lie down. Lie down. There's a word. Do you know what? Anybody here know what a recumbent bicycle is? Oh, well, you do. My wife, I know my wife would know. She has a vocabulary 20 times mine. If you know what recumbent bicycle is, right, raise your hand. Now, listen, a minute ago, there's only half of you raised your hand. What, did someone tell you in the meantime? Recumbent bicycle is where you recline backwards, right? And you, I don't know, you see them on vacation sometimes and the pedals, you know. It's a lying down posture to it. It uh, stretches you out. It's even, in the, in the Hebrew, this word even means to, to stretch, um, to crouch even in some way, as you would on a hammock. You just kind of laid out there. He maketh us to lie down. Uh, we have uh, dogs at our house. You ever see a dog that curls up and then ends up putting its tail right over its own nose? You know, gets him. There's, there's also that meaning in Hebrew. It's a lying down, and when you do it, there ain't a whole lot to worry about. That's the kind of lie down we're talking about. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Green pastures in this Hebrew context means uh, 
uh, new grass, but tender grass. We're not talking about thorny grass or straw-like grass. Uh, David's talking about a tender grass, soft. It's, it's not coarse, like pillow-like, but it's taller. Uh, he's causing us, God the sh- good shepherd causes us to lie down in green pastures, tender grass, as though, I want to give you a, a sense of what, I'm, what he's trying to do here. His son's chasing him with this army, and he's, and he's trying to figure out how he talks to the shepherd about stretching out and laying down in tall grass that's tender. He wants to lay down in the tender mercies of God. He wants to bed down in the tender mercies of God. Almost to hide himself and be hidden from his enemy. You ever seen a deer? How many? Well, I know the, I've been on deer hunts with people here. Deer will bed down at night in tall grass. So you can look over a field and not know. There could be 20 deer in that field and you never know it until the sun warms them in the morning and, and things start to stir and then they'll pop up. They were bedded down in that grass, in that tender grass, so their enemies couldn't see them. This is what David's saying. He makes me to lie down in tender mercies where I'm almost invisible. Invisible from my problems, invisible from my enemy. I'm not in danger. I'm vulnerable, but I'm protected. I need, you need, I need a shepherd that will lead us to tender grass, tender mercies, where we can lay down, where he has to make us lay down at times, and when we do, we're hidden from the problems and cares of this world so as to try to figure them out, but also to rest. A restless king is being pursued by a toxic family member, and he needs to rest. This is how he starts out the song. Psalm 25 and 6, Remember, O Lord, your tender mercies and your loving kindness for they are from old it's like a it's like a deer laying down in tall grass or a soybean field to find a place of safety an undetectableness an unseen rest comes upon them tender grass to a deer is like a warm blanket of grace just the last couple of days, maybe last night you started to feel this. Did you, did you know how cold it was outside and how warm it was in your bed? What do they call that, 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 that heavy thing, that big thing that's over you when it's cold out and you're underneath it? It's called a comforter. Isn't that interesting? The Holy Spirit is also called a comforter. David's crying out to his shepherd. He's saying, I I'm being pursued here, and I, I really need a, a loving kindness. I need a place to rest where no one, where I can't be found, where possibly I could find some answers, where I could be vulnerable and I could stretch out. And you may have to make me do that because it's not my nature to do that. My nature is to continue running as fast as I possibly can. Can you be vulnerable? I watch these shows on TV sometimes, these nature shows. 
You can always watch them at the store where they sell TVs because the picture just looks incredible. These lions, who are they scared of? What do they have to fear? They sleep and like salivate and drool right out in the open under a tree, like five or six of them at a time. And what do they call that? Five or six lions at a time? A pride. They, they kind of live that out. They're proud. They could just lay out in the open and slumber about. I'm not that way. I'm vulnerable. I'm sensitive. Uh, my feelings can easily be hurt. I need a shepherd that'll leave me some tender grass, some tender mercy, some place to hide, actually. There was a time in my life when I was a, I was a, a specialist. I was an expert at hiding. Could do it so well whenever necessary, whenever I deemed necessary. I could hide in a bottle, I could hide in a bar, hide in my work. What do you hide in? And the shepherd's saying, you don't have to hide in that kind of stuff. I'll help you deal with it. And when you're not really ready to confront it, that's okay. I'll make you lie down. And your mercy. And I'll take a blanket of grace and a comforter of love, and I'll put it right over you. And I'll get you to the place where you can deal with it, even... It's an army led by your own son. You know, sometimes the shepherd has to make us lie down. God doesn't make us lie down to be idle and wallow about in pity. It's not our nature to lie down the way he wants us to. The the lying down that has to be, we, it's not our nature to do that. He has to make us do it. If we don't allow him to make us do it, it's going to cost us some kind of health issue. I don't know who's dealing with anxiety and fear, the things we just declared to come down in this place. I don't know really what your anecdote is. But he wants to make you lie down, stretch out, and be vulnerable. And let the good shepherd today sort of cover you and hide you so we can get you up and run it again. The anecdote to your, to your fear and your anxiety, your trepidation, it's Christ. It's Christ. There are generational differences when it comes to, to relaxation, recreation. The Europeans got something up on us. I don't know what it is about them. Either they don't want to produce much or they just like take time off. You know, you know they take the whole month of August off? What, how did that miss us? What, what is that? How did we miss that? I mean, how did we not jump on that? We're producers, man. I wonder if we produce less if they wouldn't take August off. Something to think about. Generational differences. Uh, a lot of you 
I'm not going to say older. Yeah, I am. You're older. You're up on a farm. You got up at 5.30 a.m. God wasn't even up. And you were cleaning the stalls. Then you got out of high school, you worked in a factory, you went to the military. You understand hard work. The generational difference today is like, hard work is really getting after the, the Xbox. Game control. We don't have factories for people to work in. We don't have to get up that early. It's a whole different thing. But the question is, do you need your good shepherd to cause you to have to make you want to lie down, to make you lie down? And I know my vantage point is such that I know what's going on in a lot of people's lives right now. I, knew, I know who's in crisis. I know who's going through a very difficult time. I know who's going into a new season. I know who's celebrating things and growth and things in Christ. And I know who's also questioning things. I know who's going through terrible, terrible times relationally. And I can say this without equivocation, without hesitation. As it comes out of the word, everybody needs to be made to lie down every now and again. Lie down. I don't know what you're, who's pursuing you or, or what it is, but the shepherd wants you to lie down because there's healing in that. He leads me beside the still waters. He leadeth me. I'm the oldest sibling in our family. I remember going to the mall, you know, with my mom and my brother and my little sister. She was the youngest. Still is, actually. You moms remember this when you took your girls shopping or you went to a park or something? They would hold your hand, right? I mean, this is different for different ages and different families. You would hold your daughter's hand and... She could be five, six, seven, eight, could even be 11. Back to Europeans, they do this all the time. They hold hands, these Europeans, because they don't work that much and they don't go into a job on August, they just hold hands. But there's a day that comes when my sister walking through the mall and my brother and, and I behind her didn't hold my mom's hand. She was too old. But there was something to that. There was something cool about that. It, it, she wasn't a baby anymore, but she wasn't a woman either. She knew she still needed things answered, and she didn't have all the answers, and my mom could lead her holding her hand. I remember as a boy, my dad, we, we would go to the uh, Thanksgiving Day Parade on Woodward Avenue in Detroit, Michigan, where the temperature was somewhere around minus 150 degrees. And on the sidewalk, we had a stepladder. This is crazy. You bring a stepladder to a parade so you can take your son bundled up in 12 layers and put him on the top so he can look over and see into the parade. And also so the wind can hit him in the face and just freeze his eyeballs. But my dad would hold my hand to walk across the street. And then I remember... And I didn't want to do that anymore because my friends might be looking. But the way the healer, the healer does, Jesus, 
he, he wants to hold your hand all the time, but there's nothing wrong with that. I like that about him, actually. He's a hand holder. I picture him kind of grabbing my hand, and if I'm willing, I'm not too proud. If I'm okay, he'll take me, lead me. He'll lead me. Uh, in the Hebrew, this means uh, to gently guide. It means to gently guide even to a water station. It actually means that. That's a Hebrew application of this lead. But it also is um, to lead through stages or seasons. Do you know what season you're in? I'd encourage you to ask yourself that question. What season are you in? There are seasons in life. There are chapters in life. What season? Because each season... Solomon says in Ecclesiastes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, each season has a purpose under heaven. What season are you in? Are you a season of learning, season of growth, season of mentoring, season of investing, season of uh, generosity, season of imparting wisdom? I don't know. What season are you in? Seasons oftentimes go with your age, and sometimes they don't. What season are you in? God wants to grab you by the hand and lead you, lead you, through seasons and stages, and even to water. Isaiah 43 and 19, Behold, I do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. There are those among us this morning, and you're not, I'm not singling you out in any way because the rest of us have been there. You're in a desert. You're in a desert. Cracked earth. You're in a desert, and you need a river. But you gotta, you got to reach out and grab somebody's hand, the shepherd's hand. He'll lead you there. That's his job. That's what he does. He leads me beside. Beside still waters. Close enough to look in. Close enough to drink. Close enough to plant yourself so the rootedness gets the moisture of the river, the channel, the still water. God will never leave you in an area where you can't grow. He will provide for you what it is you need to sustain hope, love, faith, integrity. Psalm 1 and 3, he shall be like a tree planted by streams of water, rivers or channels of water that brings forth fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither and whatever he does prospers. What are you rooted in? And are you, all, are you always resourcing and sourcing fresh living water from God? How's your relationship? So far, I've, I've determined that David wants to, in the midst of his crisis, he wants to bed down in the loving kindness of God, the hesed of God. He wants to bed down to where he can't be found, but where he might find answers himself. He, he, he wants to bed down in such a way that he can relax in God. He can rest in God. But he also needs to grab God's hand and he needs to be led beside still waters. Still waters are still because they provide the opportunity for reflection. It's very hard to get your reflection in turbulent waters. God will lead you by still waters to live a more examined life. God knows there is turbulent waters, and the wind, but the wind and the waves do obey him, but there are times when you are need, in need of 
And frankly, that's why some of you are in the mountains. You're in need of still waters. You're in need of an environment that cultivates the examined life to where you can rest in the tender mercies and loving kindness of God and be not seen by the cares and the stress of the world, even your enemies. And as you lie down and are made to lie down, you can just peer over into the still water and see. See yourself as God sees you. See yourself as you see you and rectify the difference between those two things. It's an examined life. It's not a condemning uh, yourself. It's, a, it's an honest evaluation of where you are, where you've been, and where you're going. He leadeth you beside the still waters. I was taking a class one time at Oxford, which made me feel incredibly uh, intelligent, only in retrospect to look back and realize that I'm not. That was a disappointment. But I used to go leave the class, and I used to go over to the River Thames there, in a park with these beautiful vegetation and gardens and people rowing their boats down there. It was a still water, the reflective water. I wondered if, I'd stand there, I wonder if uh, Tolkien and uh, C.S. Lewis looked into this water and came up. I, I, I felt very spiritual until I went to bed that night and I realized that I'm no C.S. Lewis. But it was good for a moment. Still waters. Oh, how are the absence of these things in your own life, if they are an absence, how are the absence of these things in your life working out for you? The world has no still waters. The world has coarse grass, not tender grass. The world has no idea of loving kindness and the said of God. They, they do what they can when they can and go for themselves and grit their teeth through it, but their rest is not found in a person. It's found in this or that. or It's an escape more so than a, than a, than a, than a lying down. And if we fail to, to manifest these practices in our life, if we fail to ask God to check us from time to time, if we fail to examine ourselves in the still waters of life, you let that go on long enough and you end up having a lot more to rectify than you would have had you made it a part of your spiritual walk. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, and he leadeth me beside the still waters. I think God leads us beside still waters because he knows we're never really, really, really without a thirst for him. I think cultivating and asking for and cultivating a thirst for God is one of the most important things you can do. I know there are people here right now who are trying to go through a process of understanding, is this God real? Do I need to believe in him? Is this for real? And I don't blame you, that's a great question. Is this for real? What am I to do if I've never come to faith in Christ? What am I to do? Like, something has to happen that I know this came from someplace other than my own manufacturing or somebody who told me it. I need, I need to know for myself that this Christ of who you speak is for real, who is accessible, who loves me, who died for me, who rose again, who has a plan for my life. I, I need to, people need to know that, right? They need to know that. Some of us entered into a relationship with him, but not, never really with a thirst, never really with a longing, never really with a desire, and we never really took off. We never really laid down. We never really lived the examined life. 
My prayer for you today, if you're kind of searching and looking and waiting and you don't know what to expect, it's a different paradigm. You don't do this every day. You don't know what to think. You don't know what to look for. Listen, may God give you a thirst for rest and peace and forgiveness, an insatiable thirst that can only be quenched on this, in this earth with an honest relationship with Christ. As the deer panteth for the water brook, so my soul longeth after thee. Still waters. We're going to come to this table in a moment. 1 Corinthians 11, 28 and 32. But let a man examine himself. So let him eat the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in the unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. There is this, there is this relationship between the absence of examination and sickness. How many of our illnesses are stress-related, anxiety-related? How many of our relationships have been sabotaged by irrational thought, impulsivity, Blaming the other person, never ever examining oneself. To live the examined life and to look into still waters and to see yourself for who you really are and who you can really be in Christ, it's nothing to run from. It's something to run to. Even better than that, it's better to be led by the hand by the Good Shepherd to the very place you can stop and look. Look, what do I see? Who knows how many illnesses and sicknesses and and, and problems, mental, physical, spiritual, relational, social, how many addictions are at their root the absence of the examined life, the absence of the laying down in the tender mercies of God, the absence of grabbing the hand of God and letting him take you to still waters and drink. It's in, it's in, you can't calculate that. It could, it could lead to so many different things on so many different levels. Still water. Examine life. The examined life has to incorporate the impartation of grace and the comforter and the blanket of grace. See yourself honestly. See your sin honestly. But don't fret. Don't condemn. Crawl back under the comforter of grace. Stretch back out the loving kindness of God. Confess your sin. Here's one. Renounce your sin. Renounce it. Repent from it. And move on. And move on. And move on. The, the examined life renounces and repent, turns from, calls on God. I want you to be that flock isn't afraid to hold hands. Knows when you're in greatest need of lying down and being made to do so. And you can rest where your enemies can't find you. You know you're protected, sustained, Blessed, taught, 
cared for, nurtured, discipled, and overwhelmed by the loving kindness of God. So that when you share out of the abundance of your heart what you truly you experience in a relationship with Christ, no one could resist it. For those are the very things, my friend, that everyone in this world is longing for and manufacturing on their own to get, though it's slippery and it evades them and it slips through their hands and they have to pursue it twice as hard. All you need to do is lie down in the loving kindness of God and let him put a blanket over you till morning. You have a shepherd, a good one, a hand-holding good shepherd who knows your needs before you ask them and meets them according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You're searching today for who Christ is. He's the one before you wanting to hold your hand and lead you into the fullness of a potential that he has for you, a fullness of a life that is not riddled with anxiety and fear. He's also the one that's right there with you when you're hurt and wanting to absorb that pain himself. This he understands. The problem we have, we're not careful. We fail to lie down and examine ourselves in the still waters. We come to the conclusion that we may not need him as much as we think we do, or need, actually. This table right here lovingly demands an examination. Lovingly demands it. It is inherent to the meal that you examine oneself. For to not examine oneself is to casually deal with our own inadequacy and sin and be cavalier and lackadaisical about the antidote to it being the blood of Christ. When you don't understand your sin, yet drink of the cup, you don't drink of the fullness of the cup because you don't understand the purpose of the cup is to forgive you of that sin. Get in touch with your own inadequacy and magnify the work of God on your behalf. Be free to be vulnerable and to lie down in the reality that you fall short of the glory of God. But yet, as immense as that might overwhelm you, there is a greater reality and capacity for that to dissipate immediately when you begin to ponder and examine the richness and the fullness and the weightiness and the power and the glory of the blood of Christ. Now that's a meal. Don't in any way, shape, or form. Think you're whole all the time. Because brokenness is the avenue to improvement and freedom. Brokenness. The split second that Jesus was arrested, though they were three feet from him, when the shepherd was struck, the sheep began to scatter. One cut off a man's ear. An hour later, he denied him three times. The shepherd's been struck, and the world is scattered, and the world is scatterbrained. Not you, 
He maketh you to lie down in green pastures. He wants to hold your hand and leadeth you beside still water. Examine yourself as you come to this today. As this meal comes to you, examine yourself. As the communicants would come forward, please, we're going to prepare for Holy Communion. You're here today and you don't yet have a personal relationship with Christ. I want to encourage you to wait on the meal. It means nothing to you. We only do things here that mean something, that transcend our understanding and the mystery of it all. Wait. Wait till you believe. Wait till he has your hand. Wait till you have something to thank him for. Wait until that blood actually has been applied to your own life and you are forgiven of your sin and you have eternal life. Wait until you're broken enough to receive him. Wait. Wait on the Lord. Or accept him now. Say, today's the day I need to be born again. Today's the day I need to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Today's the day I'm willing to be broken. I cannot run anymore. Somewhere in that prayer would be this, make me to lie down in tender mercies, tender grass, green pastures. And lead me the rest of my life that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If there's anyone here today who needs to accept Christ, the finished work of the cross of Christ who died on your behalf so that your sins would be forgiven in the eyes of a righteous judge. You'd be born again. The Bible says you're born again. Not of the flesh or water, but you're born of the Spirit. Come alive. You now have access and communion with God. You now belong to Him. You no longer are Lord of your own life. If anyone here needs to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior, before we come to this meal, certainly raise your hand so I can see it. I want to pray for you. Anybody? Amen. Anyone else? You raise your hand. I want you to pray with me. I want everybody to just bow their heads. Father, there are those here today maybe didn't raise their hand. Maybe this woman who did. In need of a shepherd to lead them to places of fruitfulness, provision, blessing, stillness, protection, insight, satisfaction, healing, restoration, liberty, deliverance. Pray this with me in your own heart, if that's you today. I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. He came from the Father. He demonstrated his love for me that while I was yet a sinner, he died on a cross. I accept by faith that sacrifice on the cross on my behalf to pay the penalty of the sin I cannot pay myself, that I may through Christ by faith go to the Father and have eternal life. I confess my sin. I confess my need of forgiveness. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to help me. I repent and turn from that way of life. 
that I may walk nearer to you, not further away. And I renounce, with everything that's in me and the understanding that I have, I renounce all that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and ask you to cleanse me of all unrighteousness and make me righteous in your sight by the blood of Christ. I receive you as Lord. You are my king. I am part of your kingdom by faith. Forgive me, Lord. I confess, forgive me, and make and keep me who I wish to be born again in Jesus Christ. Fill me with an understanding and a revelation of who you have been, who you are, and who you want to be in my life. But as for today, I now confess that you are my Lord. Save me in Jesus' name. Father, I pray. Amen. Amen. That's you today, and you prayed that in your heart, and you mean every word of that, or your version of it, as close to that as you could get. When these elements come to you, you take them. I'll explain what's going on in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's hold the elements until all are served, please.
take these elements take a moment just to in your own heart look into the still waters he's led you to this morning quiet yourself examine
become as aware as you can as to where these elements in the life of body and blood of Christ need to be applied in your life. Take that time to do that this morning. our Lord was betrayed he took the bread and he blessed it broke it gave it to him said take eat this is my body broken for you or take the body of Christ You are in need of any further encouragement this morning. It has yet to permeate your heart this morning. Maybe one more time. Allow him, please, take you by the hand. Make you to lie down. The tender, loving, green, fruitful, loving kindness of God. Kindness is defined in great part by usefulness. The kindness and the loving kindness of God has provided you the blood of his son. It has a great usefulness. Rest in the power, glory, strength of the blood of Jesus Christ that sanctifies you, cleanses you of all unrighteousness. Your sins are forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. Partake of the cup. Before we have announcements, let's close. I just want to have a prayer. The way that the Lord is healing people here recently, I just feel this. Take this moment before we close. If you're in need of healing in any facet of your life, any area of your life, your body, your heart, your mind, your relationships, just stand. We're just going to say a prayer together. Believe God. Stand if you need prayer. Thank you. Very good. I want to ask somebody who, who doesn't really have a need for prayer right now, I want you to stand on behalf of this couple that I referenced, just in a crisis. Somebody stand, and I want you to take that prayer need with you through the week, okay? You're going to take that prayer need through the week. Thank you. I appeal to you, the good shepherd, bring us to the Father, our healer. Make those to lie down here today that are in need of the comfort, the restoration, the healing, even the formation of their faith. Heal bodies by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Overcome maladies, disease, disease, sickness, resentment, unforgiveness, bitterness, fear, trepidation, anxiety, alienation, loneliness, depression. I come against them by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And I ask you, Father, to restore, revive, replenish. As we examine our need of you, we want to drink the waters of new life and restoration in every 
way, shape, or form, you have them available to us. And we lift up this marriage in crisis, descend upon them with a comforter of the divine grace of God and provide for them a warmth and a desire to press on toward the goal to which you've called them heavenward in Christ Jesus. Minister your grace and your love and your forgiveness in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen.